We are over in the book of Joshua, chapter 11. We're looking at, uh, we just finished up the big battle that they had with the five kings who got together and came after the uh, Gibeonites because of the treaty they made and Israel intercepted them and defeated them and Joshua said, let the sun stand still and the moon stand still and so forth and and so they went out there and, and collected all them and and defeated them. Five kings. There was a bigger multitude there than Israel had. But they defeated them. And then we come over here to chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, heard these things that he sent to Jabab, king of Madon, to the king of Shimron, to the king of Ashaph. And he's, call, he's calling a multitude here. He's getting all the kings that he can. So you just defeated five kings. You marched all night, came over here, fought the battle. And then fought the battle all through the night while the sun stood still and into the next day. And how many of you think that after fighting a big battle like that and having victory, that you should get a little rest? Anybody in that neck of the woods? That after you fought a big battle and you defeated the enemies of the Lord and you stayed up all night and marched to get there to defend people that you didn't want to defend, but your covenant said you had to do it and so you... You did so. And then you get there and Joshua says, let's go in the fight. And you go right into battle. And then you fight all day and you think, well, the sun's about ready to go down. We can finally rest a little bit. And Joshua prays, Lord, don't let the sun go down. <laughs> and so now you've got to keep on fighting all night and into the next day. And finally you round them all up and you defeat all these guys and, and so forth. And then people get word of your great victory and they come after you. They're not going after the Gibeonites this time. They're coming after Israel. <laughs> so this is this is it. We're coming to get you. Well, I don't know about about you, but I I think a lot of us get to be in in this kind of a setting where we just think, you know, Lord, look at what I just went through. I went through a big battle for you. I fought hard. I won. Can I get a little bit of rest here? Why is it that I got to go into another big battle? But here comes Jabin, king of Hazor. Now, Jabin apparently is a common name for kings in Hazor. Maybe if you came from Hazor, you would know that. Hazor is the head of the kingdoms of Canaan. It's perhaps located near the lake of Meram. Hazor was destroyed by Joshua, but it was later rebuilt. When it was rebuilt, it then defeated Israel, but then was defeated by Deborah and Barak. You remember that battle in Judges chapter 4 and 5. It was, it was in the land or the portion of Nephtali. You'll see that in Joshua chapter 19. It was fortified. It was, became a fortified city of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 9 and was later taken by Assyria in 2 Kings 15. This was not the Hazor in Judah, which we find in Joshua chapter 15. Or the one in Benjamin, which we find in Nehemiah chapter 11. Or the one in Arabia. <laughs> this is the one in Naphtali. So make sure that you, when you see Hazor, don't just assume that this is the one that's being talked about here. Verse 2, And to the kings who were from the north, in the mountains, in the plains south of Chenereth, in the lowland, and in the heights of Dor on the west. Now you may not know what Chenereth is. May never heard that before, but actually you do know what it is. The plain of Chenereth we know as the Sea of Galilee. 
It's also known as the Lake of Gennaraset and the Sea of Tiberias. All the same place. Verse 3, To the Canaanites in the east and the west, and the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the mountains, and the Hivite below Hermon, in the land of Mitzpah. Mitzpah in northern Israel, not the one in Gilead or Judah. <laughs> now understand, every time you run into a city, it, it's, it's kind of like it is in the uh, United States, you know. There is a, uh, you know, if you go over to Texas, Texas just about has every city in the country. If you go over to Texas, you'll find out, you know, that, there, that there's, uh, there's one out there. How many are familiar with, uh, you know, the New Jersey Shore? Well, if you go out to Oklahoma, you'll pass Jersey Shore. You'll see signs five miles to Jersey Shore. <laughs> Well, that's not quite where you go to St. Louis. We think of St. Louis, Missouri, but there's other cities that also have a St. Louis. There's other cities that also have, uh, you know, even some ones that are, are more common or bigger names. So it's just like, kind of like that. Just think of it that way, that they're kind of different states and they have some of the same city names, but they're located by their, by their uh, state, so to speak. So just because you run into the same name doesn't mean it's the same place. So Mitzpah, here is in, spoken of here, is in northern Israel, not the one in Gilead or Judah. So they went out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore in multitude, and very many horses and chariots. Now as the sand that is on the seashore. Josephus, he says that the allied armies numbered 300,000 footmen, 10,000 horsemen, and 20,000 chariots. That gives you a minimum of at least 30,000 horses that they're facing. Now, Israel, how many chariots do they have? They have none. How many horses do they have? They have none. You know why? Every time they capture someone, what's the Lord say to do with them? Hamstring them. <laughs> he says destroy them. God apparently doesn't like horses. Because He does command Israel, you will not multiply horses. That is one of the things they were commanded not to do. Do not multiply horses to yourselves. He says, because basically your confidence is going to be in your chariots and your horses and not in me. So they were commanded not to do that. Now, you know, will remember that not all the kings of Israel abide by that. And they do eventually go on and they multiply the horses. Now, the thing is with the, these particular people, what they would do with their chariots is they would fasten these weapons on the wheels and they would drive through the infantry and they would just rip up people with these chariots. That's what they would do. They would drive a whole lot of chariots on through. And you got uh, your army and you're facing all those chariots. Those chariots would just come on through. And either you stand where you are and the horses run you over. Or if you move to the side, the wheels that are, the things that are attached to the wheels would get you. And they just drive the chariots kind of close together and just mow down the whole thing. Because they, they were terrible on infantry. Well, that's all Israel has. Is infantry. And these things are terrible with infantry. They just really eat them up. If God had not helped them, where would they be, huh? So if you're Israel and you say, we have no horses, we have no chariots, we're facing, we look out down, down there, we see 300,000 as they saw it, just, you know, they didn't count on one, two, three, four. At the time, they're just looking on down there and they're just seeing multitudes of people, 300,000 people. And uh, they probably look at their group and we don't quite have quite as many and they got a lot of chariots and we don't have any and they got a lot of horses and we don't have any of those either. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. Now, the waters of Merom, this refers to a lake about three miles wide and four miles long. 
in the southern end of the large basin lying between the mountain ranges of Lebanon and anti-Lebanon. Josephus knew this as uh, this lake as Lake, if I can say this right, Semechonitis. And today it's called Lake Hula or Hula. It is fed by numerous springs and fountains, the largest being Jordan, which flows into it from the north and exits at the southern part, about 10 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. So this is the region that we're at. We're, we're taking place this battle uh, in a lot of the area where Jesus did his ministry. Verse 6, But the Lord said to, Josh, to Joshua, Guess what he said to Joshua? <laughs> Do not be afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time, I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. <laughs> now, if you're thinking of, of, if you're Joshua and you're thinking, all right, I mean, we're just glad to win this battle. <laughs> but God's saying, I will deliver all of them slain before you by this time tomorrow. I mean, that's a pretty good word, but you've got to be thinking on your inside of yourself, they got, look at all them chariots, look at all them horses, look at all them people, look what we got. The temptation has to come in to think that, but the Lord said, do not. Be afraid because of them. For tomorrow about this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. There's really no reason to fear anyone who's going to be dead tomorrow. Right? There's no reason to fear them. They're going to be dead tomorrow. You shall hamstring no horses and burn their chariots with fire. I don't know about you, but if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking about keeping a few of them. We still got some more places to go and, you know, chariots are great and they really are helpful and you know, it'd be kind of like us with tanks. Do not be afraid because of them. Here's the things that he said to do. For tomorrow about this time, I will deliver all of them slain. You shall hamstring the horses and burn their chariots with fire. He gave them very direct orders of what to do. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of Merom and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel who defeated them and chased them to greater Sidon to the brook Meshrephoth. Into the valley of Mitzpah, eastward, they attacked them until they left none of them remaining. So how many got away? None. Not a single one. 300,000 soldiers, 10,000 horsemen, 20,000 chariots. None got away. That is pretty amazing. You're chasing down guys that are on horses. <laughs> Well, maybe, you know, when the Bible says none, it means, you know, most of them. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> no. They all got them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, defeated them, and chased them from the greater side unto the brook Misrephoth, to the valley of Mitzpah. Eastward, they attacked them until they left none of them remaining. So Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. You've got to know that Joshua was hearing in his ear... All right, the plan's been good up to now, but you know what? Keep a few of them. How about a horse for you to ride on? I mean, you're Joshua. You're the head of the army. You should have a horse. How about just a couple of horses, maybe for you and you know some of your really helpful. I mean, Caleb, he's been with you all this time. How about a horse for him? That's just two horses. Don't you think he's hearing some stuff? Like, I mean, we would be hearing stuff like that. What if he just kept the... What if he just... We'd be hearing this sort of stuff and... What's he do? Hamstrung all their horses. Got them all. Burned their chariots with fire. 
Now, it's interesting to see what the Word of God says about Joshua's accomplishments. It's, it's very clear about it. We're going to just read the rest of the verses here up through 15. Joshua turned back at that time and took Hazor and struck its king with the sword, for Hazor was formerly the head of all those king, kingdoms. Well, it can't be now. It's gone. And they struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was none left breathing. Then he burned Hazor with fire. So all the cities of those kings and all their kings, Joshua took and struck with the edge of sword. He utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. But as for the cities that stood on their mounds, Israel burned none of them except Hazor only, which Joshua burned and all the spoil of these cities and the livestock the children of Israel took as booty for themselves. But they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them and they left none breathing. As the Lord had commanded Moses' his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So here's the things that are said of him. First off, Joshua. so Joshua did to them, verse 9, as the Lord had told him. And then verse 15, as the Lord had commanded Moses' his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so... Joshua did. Then he goes on, he left nothing undone of all the Lord had commanded Moses. He left nothing undone that the Lord had commanded Moses. Now we're going to get back to that verse of Scripture when we come to Sunday. Remember last, this Sunday we told you there's a, there's a key that a lot of folks are missing? And we're going to come back to this when we get back here on Sunday. But we're going to leave that part of it for right now. Let's go into verse 16. Thus Joshua took all this land, the mountain country, all the south, all the land of Goshen, the lowland and the Jordan plain, the mountains of Israel and its lowlands, from Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, even as far as Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon. He captured all the kings and struck them down and killed them. They took all these cities. They took all the kings. Many of these cities all banded together and sent their armies out against Israel. And they lost. And then, and then Joshua took Israel and they went from city to city and took each one. Some cities they burned, some cities they did not. It seems that the cities that had the giants, they burned. And the cities that did not, they left them intact. And they inhabited them and they used them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all the others they took in battle. No more treaties. <laughs> We're not falling for that one again. We don't want to hear, if you're going to come telling us you came from a faraway place, that'll be the last words you say. We're going to kill you right there on the spot. We're not going to listen to you. Now it says that Joshua made war a long time. That seems to be about five years if you're just going by the genealogy or the, by the lifespan of Caleb because Caleb's life were given. And we find out at the end of all these campaign that Caleb was 85 years old. He wandered in Israel for 40 years. He was 40 years when all that started up. So if you count it all up, he's 85. Five years of this campaign is what we figure up to be from Caleb's life. Now in Joshua chapter 11... Verse 20, for it was the Lord, for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them and that they might receive no mercy, but he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, remember the question we start off with, don't we think we, we deserve a little bit of a rest? 
Yeah. Remember the old uh, McDonald's campaign? You deserve a break today? <laughs> How many of us like that for our own life? I deserve a break today. <laughs> Father God, I've been battling a long time. I've been doing this and I've been battling this. And well, I just think I should get a, a day off. A little rest. A little relaxation. Like it's God's up to God. Because a lot of times we look at this stuff, well, it must be up to God. I mean, nothing would happen to me unless God allowed it. I'll tell you what, that's a deception out of the pit of hell that has kept more Christians bound up and, uh, and, and problems. We're going to be dealing with that on Sunday mornings. We're going to be, you know, whittling away a little bit at a time of that to get the picture of what, what all is going on. But verse 20, it says, For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts. Now, when, in, according to the, the uh, viewpoint of the folks in the Old Testament, if the Lord does not do something, He does it. So if the Lord does not soften his heart, then he hardens it. It's not that God went in there actively and hardened the heart. I want, you, I want to kill you, so I'm going to harden your heart. That's not what God did. But their viewpoint was, if God does not actively do something, then he, if he does not prevent something, he actually does it. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle. So God says, I am not going to soften their hearts at all. I'm going to pull out all the stops and let them harden themselves as much as they want, just like happened with Pharaoh. Then when they come out in battle, they're going to just die. They're just going to die. It's going to be all over. But a lot of times we react to this thing. We see all this stuff going on. We get mad at God. How come all this stuff is going on? How come I have to keep fighting these battles? Why is this coming against me here now? Father God, don't you see all the stuff that I did before? Don't I deserve a little bit of a break? Shouldn't I get a little bit of time off? But we just had that huge victory. I prayed a prayer that no one else had ever prayed. And I had faith to believe that it would happen. And it did. And now we go from there and you don't reward me with, you know, a week off. We got to go right into this battle here. And it's a big one. I thought the last one was big. This one was bigger. All the rest of the inhabitants, pretty much all the rest of them, all decided to gang all up against us. <laughs> this, is, this wasn't good. And you can get discouraged. And you get kind of tired because we built up this expectation that I should get some time off. That I should have a big battle. That's fine. I understand that there's going to be some big battles that come in my life. But, you know, they need to be spread out a little bit. I think, you know, one or two a month is fine. And we'll, you know, we'll get, let God know, Father God, I'm, I'm ready to take on, you know, one or two tough battles a month. But, you know, this daily stuff, I'm not so much into that. If I get a big victory today, I shouldn't have to be fighting tomorrow. <laughs> I should get some time off on this thing. If it's, if, you know, we, we laugh at this thing, but that's really how we come against God. Because if we, we believe God for one thing, how many of you have been believing God for something in, your, in the area of health? And you're believing God and you're, you're seeing some progress and things are going good and, and then all of a sudden you go to the doctor and get twice as bad news. Man, I've been fighting this thing and I've been, I've been getting the upper hand and I've been having a good confession and you know I'm keeping myself up in the Word and being thankful all the time. And, and this, is the, this is the thanks they get from God? <laughs> well, it's not God that's coming against you. It's the enemy. You're getting mad at the wrong one. God does not harden their hearts. God takes off the stops. And you can become as hard as you want. If you all want to come on out right away and fight my children, I'll take you on. And I'll take you out. 
This is not a problem. And we don't see any problem from Joshua or the children of Israel. We don't see them get upset. We don't see them say, oh, another battle? We've got to go into another battle? Can you imagine being at war at this kind of a pace for five years? Going from city to city after the big battles. Now you're going from city to city. You know, these are walled cities. In Jericho, they all came tumbling down, but we don't know of anybody else that came tumbling down. They had to knock some walls over probably on the, some of the other places. And, you know, that can be hard work, knocking down some walls. And then after you knock down the walls, you've got to go in there and kill all the people. This isn't easy stuff. This takes some, uh, some doing. But look at the purpose. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that He might utterly destroy them, and that they might receive no mercy. God does not desire mercy for the enemies of His people. If people or things are coming against you, how much mercy does God want to have for them? <laughs> that they might receive no mercy, but that He might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. He's saying, I want to take these guys out. I, I want them annihilated. I sent you in here. That was the purpose, was to wipe every one of them out. And they're going to get their hearts hardened and they're going to come against you and they're going to try and, and pick these big fights. But don't worry about it. I'm there. Because the word of the Lord that came to Joshua on the very first day he took over was, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for I will be with you always. No man shall be able to stand against you. No man shall be able to stand against you. We saw Joshua took that so much to heart that when Jesus Christ himself showed up in front of Joshua, he's ready to kill him. He's got his sword in his hand and said, I'm ready to take you on. Who, what side are you on? You're on our side? That's fine. But if you're against us, I'm taking you on right now. <laughs> and uh, the Lord says, hey, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Oh, okay. And he bowed down. But he's ready to take him on in battle. Most people who saw the Lord Jesus Christ show himself kind of got awed. Kind of got, you know, wow, that's, that's incredible. Joshua, no, no man shall be able to stand before me. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how tough you are. No man can stand before me. My God told me. <laughs> he believed it. And even though they go from this huge battle, they go into another big one, and they're ready. Don't get discouraged because you go from battle to battle to battle. Just understand, the enemy will eventually run out of gas. The enemy's resources are limited. They only have so much that they can throw at you. And after a while, if they aren't working, the enemy decides, you know what? Our resources are better applied other places. Because I keep throwing them your way and you keep beating them up. We saw that the uh, uh, Satan came and tempted Jesus. And when it wasn't working and he threw his best stuff at him and it wasn't working, he decided to leave for a more opportune time. But he didn't leave right away. He didn't leave just because he was defeated. The first time, the second time, the third time, or however many other times he was defeated. But finally, he did go away. Went to another place. Until he can come back for a more opportune time. The devil's always looking for an opportune time to get into your life. And try and uh, shake you. Always trying to, to look at that. Don't give it to him. Be faithful with the things that God has said to do. What has God told you to do? Are you doing it? Don't let the enemy get you off. Don't let him shake you. 
Stay with it. What is Joshua told to do? He's given the, the commandments. And what he's supposed to do? There are certain cities he's supposed to burn. There are certain cities they're allowed to keep. There are certain um, things they're allowed to keep alive, certain livestock. But the people, wipe them all out. Every one of them. Don't keep any of them alive. Women, children, the whole bit. And he went in there and what did he do? Kill them all. God says, kill the horses. What did he do? Kill the horses. God said, burn the chariots. What did he do? Except for the really nice ones with gold on them. <laughs> he burned them all. He did what the Lord said to do. And when people decided to gang up against him even more, what did he do? Guys, let's go. They didn't sit there and say, Oh, Father God, why are you sending us back into battle again? God's saying, I'm not. They're coming against you. Get ready. They are coming against you. They want to kill you. I don't want you to die. But they do. <laughs> you got to understand, God is on your side. God is not allowing battles to come into your life to see what you're made of. The enemy wants to see what you're made of. And God says, I'll get to see about it too, but I kind of already know. But God says, it's all right. Stay with me. We're going to defeat him. Stay in faith. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Don't stop doing what you're supposed to be. Joshua does not stop doing what he's supposed to be doing. He keeps fighting on. And that's what we need to do. Keep going on. Now he goes on here in verse 21. And at that time, Joshua came and cut off the Anakim from the mountains. That's the giants. From Hebron, from Debir, from Anab and from all the mountains of Judah and from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. Now, I'll tell you what, people are hard to defeat, but in the mountains, it's even harder. That's a harder place. You can't just go out in the big field and fight it out. Not on the mountains. None of the Anakim were left in the, hand, in the land of the children of Israel. They wiped them out. These are the, of course, these are the ones, these are the giants that came out of the production of the sons of God coming down to the daughters of men. The angels who were judged, as Peter tells us about, for their actions, and they produced these super race of, of people that the uh, Greeks got their mythology from. These very large King Og, which the Israelites defeated, we are told that his bed was something like 20 feet long. I mean, he had a big bed. That's a big guy. By the time you get down to Goliath, Goliath is one of the giants, but his blood has been so mingled and so weakened that he's pretty small by comparison to the other ones. He wasn't one of the guys who stood 15, 18 feet tall. He was smaller than that, but he's bigger than most people. And they went out there and they took all these guys on, all of them bigger than Goliath, and they killed them. They took them out. So we see David, when he was fighting against the Goliath, the Goliath in his life, all these guys, they went after a whole mess of Goliath. Bigger. In mountains. And they defeated him. The Word of God tells us, none of them were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. What are those cities of? The Philistines. By the time that Joshua gets done, the only place where they are left is in the land of Philistia, which belongs to Israel, but they haven't taken it yet. 
So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. Well, rested from the big war, but they still had to, some little things they had to do. But the major campaign of all Israel banding together and going around fighting these battles was over. Then they divided it all up and each of the tribes was supposed to rid them, rid uh, what people were still there. And some of them did a good job of it and some of them did not do such a good job. Put this though in your outline, which you've already kind of been talking about. Just because we win a great victory or two doesn't mean we deserve rest. Just always remember, thank God we do not get what we deserve. Don't ever go to God and say, Father God, I deserve this. Because <laughs> God can simply say, you don't get what you deserve and be glad. Because we don't get what we deserve. We got what Christ deserves. He got what we deserve. But we get to have what He deserves. So don't ever go to God and say, I deserve to have this. You do not. Don't have that attitude. I don't deserve anything. <laughs> but Father God, I thank You for the things You have blessed me with. Thank You for the things Your grace has brought me. Understand the enemy is usually more inspired to attack after you have a great victory. And after we see that with Joshua. Every time they had a great victory, the enemy is more inspired to attack. In different ways, they had the great victory over Jericho and the enemy attacked through the sin of Achan. And they lost over an Ai. Then they went out over an Ai and the Gibeonites tried to deceive, which they were successful at. And then the five kings decided to rise up and come against them. And they went and won there. And then these guys all rise up. How many are kings? There are a bunch of kings here. Great multitude. And they defeated them as well. Well, after that, there wasn't a whole lot left. I mean, who else is there to band up again together to get a bigger multitude? That's pretty much it. They defeated them. But they went on through and they went through some of the hard regions, the mountain areas. All right, we're not looking at big battles here, but these are, these are hard people to defeat. And they're in hard areas to get to. But glory to God, they, they came on through. Just because you win doesn't mean you get a rest. Just because you win a great battle doesn't mean you don't have to face that battle tomorrow. The enemy gets you on the radar when you have a win. And it realizes that when that seed is sown for that victory, he needs to come now. We've got to get that before that has become rooted in you. We've got to bring, bring the house down on top of you to get rid of that. Remember the sower sowing the seed? As soon as the seed is sown, the enemy comes. That's when he's going to come. When you have a great victory in your life, you be on the lookout because the enemy is likely going to try and come against you. But don't be afraid. Stay with it. Keep on going. The enemy may be more inspired to attack then, but glory to God. <laughs> You're learning how to win. You just learn how to win a great victory. Go get another one. And then go get another one. Just keep going. Get, go get the victory. Who says you got to lose just because you won yesterday doesn't mean you got to lose today. Just because what's coming against you now is bigger than what came against you before doesn't mean you're going to lose. And that's what Joshua did. He kept going on. And this is what we need to do too. Keep fighting the battle. Keep doing what the Lord said to do. Because what the enemy wants to try and do is to get you to become discouraged from doing what God said to do. 
And now look at the book of Joshua. Look at what we covered so far. He's going to first off come and try and get you to, if you just look at what happened with Joshua, God gave them his specific instructions, what they were supposed to do. They came into the land of Canaan. And all right, now that you're all here, now that you are in the enemy's camp, now that you are within them coming over to attack you, now all of you get circumcised. Oh, that's, this is not good timing. It would have been much better when we were on the other side. At least then we had a Jordan between us. But now, we don't have that. Hmm. And the enemy can begin to say, no, don't, don't obey God. That's a hard thing. You don't, you don't need to do that. Not right now. And when then God says, go on over to the Jericho and you walk around it one time each day, seventh day, walk around it seven times and after that shout, I'm sure that along the, along the way, they were tempted to not do it. What good is it going to do to walk around it again today? What, are you really going to miss me that much? You got you know, two to four million other people. I'm sure one person is staying back and going to, nope. But, they, but they're tempted to compromise the things of God. And then they get the great victory and they win over that and the devil's able to get in. Now he tempted a whole lot of people, I'm sure. Look at that gold. Look at that silver. Look at that nice piece of pottery over there. Oh, look at that nice piece of clothing. Look at the money. But people, time after time, they say, nope, 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 belongs to God. This is what we're going to do. But one guy decided to listen and the enemy was able to get in and to pull him down. You see, the enemy does not always come against you by rising up a bunch of kings and sending their armies to fight you. He's going to try and get you deceived to stop doing something that God told you to do. He's going to get you to do something that God hasn't told you to do. He's going to get you to go in a direction that God has no intention of you going in. He's going to get you discouraged to, to not go in God's way. He's going to encourage you to go in another way. I'm sure when they took some of those chariots, I, I, I don't know, we get up into heaven, we can do the replay. Because <laughs> I'm sure God's got a big DVR up there. And he's got a big screen that'll just, you know, dwarf anything we've got. He's probably saying, oh, good, you're all the way up to 1080p. That's great. <laughs> I got something to blow your socks off. But, you know, he'll just, we can just rewind back over to that section. We'll probably find some people who came up to Joshua. Joshua, can we keep them? We don't have any horses. We don't have any chariots. Kind of equal it out against the people that we're going up against. And Joshua said, no. The Lord said not to do it. Okay. And so uh, they set them on fire and they burned them. But you know, they probably heard the temptation. Well, the other people have them. Why should you have them? Other people got chariots. Why don't you get some chariots? Other people got a horseman. Why don't you get some horsemen? Huh. Nope. They did it. Because all on the way, the enemy is coming against you every which way he can. Through temptation, through deception, through going after a wrong thing, to all-out attacks. And we would keep thinking, well, I keep fighting this battle and this battle. Eventually, I'm going to get some rest, right? And sometimes if we get to look for that, then the devil says, all right, come on over here. Over here, I got some rest for you. Come on over here this way. You'll have some rest. 
And we get on over there, and yeah, there's rest for a little while, and we find out, wow, I've got no power to stand against whatever comes against me. Don't, don't be doing that. Don't get any kind of ideas that I deserve certain things, that I should have this, this should be provided for me, or that this should be whatever. No, don't, don't get into that. Thank God that we don't get what we deserve. And just, uh, Father God, I thank you to have the opportunity to be faithful in all these things. And whatever you have told me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Well, God hasn't told me to do anything. Sure he has. Read the Bible. <laughs> God's told you to do all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you can't keep up with what he told you to do in the Bible, how are you going to keep up with he gives you a direct word? Joshua learned how to keep the things that were said in the Bible. And then God started giving him other things to do. God started speaking some things to him. We're going to look into that key. There's a, Joshua is one of the ones we'll be looking at on Sunday. And some areas we have not looked at here on, on the, the Wednesday night part. But we're going to get into that. This is a huge key that we're going to get into on Sunday. You, you need to understand it. Because it, it'll hold us back. If we don't get it. Most Christians don't. I would say that many, many, many Christians have lived their entire existence and never gone through successfully what we're going to show you on Sunday. But we'll show you time after time people in the Bible who did this. And when they did, they hit a whole new level in their work, their walk with God. But you need to know what it is. You need to identify it. If you, if you do, you find it in your life. You have success. You're going to see yourself moving to whole, whole new areas. But don't get discouraged. The presence of battles in your life does not signify that you've missed it. Amen. does not mean that you have missed it. Israel is going after battle, after battle, after battle. You know why? Because they're supposed to take the land of Canaan. There's some things we're supposed to take for God. And it's going to involve some battles. It's going to involve standing up against some deception. It's going to involve some inconvenience. That's all right. Stay with it. God's on your side. God's helping you out. God's going to come through for you. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We are victorious in life. You have called us to live the God kind of life. To know what it is. To learn all about it. And to be successful. And the enemy doesn't want us to be successful. He's going to continue to throw battle after battle after battle. And people will, in this world will come up against us. Hardened hearts. And they just keep seeming to come against us. But Father, people with hardened hearts cannot defeat people who have hearts ready to listen to God. It's not possible for them to defeat us. We just need to listen to what God says to do. Glory be to your name. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.